Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Today it's a championship of stupidity as Bayern and Dortmund both drop points. Down at the bottom, it's a big weekend for Schalke, Bochum and Stuttgart, while Frankfurt's Champions League ambitions take another hit. And may the Schwartz be with you, no say Hertha, as they bring back Paul Dardai. All of this and the listeners' comments in this week's Beer and Honey. Hello, dear listener, supporters and non-supporters. Welcome to another edition of the Beer and Honey Pod. I'm Rafael Honigstein. And I'm Christoph Biermann. And we welcome you to another look at what was a very eventful weekend. But first, your weekly reminder, please keep supporting us if you can. Become a member of the Beer and Honey Supporters Club if you can. If you can, become even an ultra because ultras get this special beer and honey coffee mug with the two mugs on top of it. A special shout out for George Clark from Austin, Texas for his support. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. But let's start with a look back at match day 28. Okay, Christoph, I think there's only one place to start and that is the capital. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I, I think that you, you would say there's only two places to start, that is Munich and Stuttgart, but, but you're right. Um, we, we need to talk about what's going on in the capital of Germany, in yeah. Berlin. Yeah, usually we talk about Union at this point. But Hertha have stolen the limelight and the headlines from their East German, East Berlin neighbors, Union, because Sandro Schwarz lost his job after a 5-2 defeat against Schalke on Friday night. On Sunday, they decided to bring back, drumroll, no surprise, Paul Dardai. How many times has been has Paul Dada been in charge now? Uh, it's his uh, third spell now, but the I think uh, I think a lot of people would would expect it's like the eleventh time, <laughs> but but it's not true because he has been working with uh, with youth teams and amateur team and 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 so on. He has played for Hertha, and so he is in a way he is Mister Hertha, and um, and it's. It's interesting because um, he uh, he lost his job because Freddy Bobic thought uh, when he was sports director um, uh, that um, Hertha needs a more inspirational coach than Paul Dardai to develop the big city club in new spheres. And uh, uh, yeah, and now we're back where they started, or even below, I would I, I would say uh, below, um, because they are in deep trouble now. In deep trouble because that defeat against Schalke leaves them bottom of the table on 22 points, two points adrift of uh, Stuttgart and Schalke, and a whopping five points from Bochum for automatic safety. Christoph Paldade, will he save them? I doubt it. Let me start here. Sandro Schwarz was very popular. He was a very popular coach among within the team, among supporters, and also in the club. So 
um, and he he also wrote a letter uh, to the fans and and it, it it was in a way moving what he was said how much he liked it and so but it's not it was not business as usual so a coach is sacked and he writes a letter to the supporters and to the public blah 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 it felt um, sincere it, it felt like a, a truly uh, a true feeling that uh, Sandro Schwarz was expressing. But why, why do I start here with all this feeling stuff? Um, because you, you don't have uh, the impression from the outside that there was something wrong between the coach and the team and, and, and so on. Um, I think what you could see at this 5-2 defeat at Schalke is um, that... Um, this Hertha squad, the whole Hertha team, is, is probably not good enough, especially when it comes to the defensive part uh, of the game, because they defended horrendously. I mean, Paul Dardai is an expert uh, in, um, in defensive football. They also have lesser um, less home games um, uh, than away games, uh, and that's that's a problem for them as well because um, they are terrible on the road. They are okay at home. They have a, a, a home games against Stuttgart and uh, Bochum, um, but my feeling is um, this all won't be enough for them. Because when you look at the, I, I, I think we t talk about the whole situation in the basement of the Bundesliga uh, uh, later on a bit more, but um, there are probably um, only three teams lost that are serious um, contenders for uh, for relegation. That is Hertha, Schalke, and um, and uh, uh, Bochum. And I, I don't think um, that Hertha will be uh, the one team that goes over the uh, things over the line. But let's see. I mean, uh, um, maybe um, Paul Daidai is able to provide another miracle at Hertha. Yeah, it does feel like a minor miracle if if they are to stave off relegation. They're playing Werder Bremen at home next Saturday. And uh, of course, not just one Dardai, but two Dardais involved. Martin Dardai, the son of Paul, is now a regular for this Hertha team as well. And we haven't had too many son and father combinations in, in the Bundesliga from my memory. Uh, let's see how how that one will work out. And there's a, even another son of him uh, who is playing in the under-19 team of Hertha. So um, if he wants to have more family connections, uh, he can promote him <laughs> to the first team. But I, I doubt it, that it it will happen. Mm, okay, well, it does feel like the uh, the last throw of the dice for this uh, Hertha side who are pressing the Paul, Paul Dada emergency button after that uh, abysmal defeat, it has to be said, against uh, Schalke. Schalke, very good performance, although perhaps they had it a little bit easier than they expected against this Hertha team. Uh, lots of goals. Uh, what was it I said? Schalke basically scored a fifth of all their goals <laughs> in... <laughs> this one game. So, very Which, telling um, about the uh, defensive abilities of um, of Hertha because some some of the goals were just horrendous. Um, and, 
Wow, it's uh, it will be very difficult to to fix that towards the end in this in this short weeks uh, short short time uh, that Paul Dardai has. A better week, though, uh, at the bottom for our friends from Stuttgart, and I think that's where we should go next. But let me say, let me say one thing about Schalke, yeah, um, because. Um, uh this 5-2 win was was very important obviously and i think it gave them a, will give them a lot of energy but uh they will miss uh, uh three players three important players in in the weeks to come uh Cedric Brunner the defender uh, Tim Skarko is on on loan from Union Berlin and, and he, who scored the the first goal uh, against Hertha, this very important after less than three minutes goal, but especially Ralf Fehrmann, the goalkeeper, he's probably not the best goalkeeper in the Bundesliga, but he has been a kind of talismanic man between the posts, and uh, I think they will uh, deeply miss him. Uh, so and uh, so, let's see. They also have a tough program uh, towards in in the weeks to come. Schalke. Uh, well, we said we're going to go to Stuttgart, but let's stay in Berlin for for a minute, because Christoph, I'm sure this would have been a game that excites you very much. Union Berlin, your adopted home team these <laughs> days, against the original Christoph Biermann side, VfL Bochum. And what happened on Sunday afternoon? Yeah, it was a one-one draw. And um, I think it it was deserved when you when you look at the at the goal chances and so on. But um, uh, Bochum played almost a complete second half with one man more, and uh, uh, still Union had the chance to score the winning goal. Also two for Bochum, who had a big chance by Philipp Hofmann. And but for Bochum, it was very important to come back after this terrible two-three home defeat against Stuttgart uh, uh, the week before. I think um, at Union Berlin, most of the people don't know what they make out of it. I mean, one-one um, against lowly Bochum is not a good result, but under giving circumstances, being one player down for for so long, I think people were like okay uh, with the result. But um, <clears throat> in a way, it looks like as if um, Union is losing a bit of. Um, speed or energy or um, uh, or, or maybe um, coming back to normal uh, towards the end of the season. So um, I w I wouldn't be surprised if in the weeks to come they would drop out of the uh, Champions League uh, places. Right now I think they are on third still, but um, but there are a lot of teams pushing from behind, um, especially Freiburg. Um, yeah. So, but we wanted to look at the uh, at the bottom um, of of the table, and I think uh, this one one is is a very good result for um, for Bochum. And um, at the same time, uh, Augsburg lost. Maybe they are uh, in Leipzig two three. Maybe they are a team that. Uh, will join this uh, <laughs> this interesting party in the in the basement of the Bundesliga, but uh, let's see. 
Yeah, I think that's one party that everyone wants to avoid, to be honest, Christoph. <laughs> yeah, but um, I'm so used to it. So I've, I've spent so many seasons in, in this and uh, there is a special enjoyment to it. But, but only if you, if you um, end up uh, above the red line and don't go down. There used to be a time when every footballer had a party keller in the basement. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> things, things have changed, I think. Nobody wants to have their own basement parties anymore, including the clubs fighting against relegation. One to avoid. But Augsburg could yet get dragged in. They lost, as you said, 3-2 at Leipzig. A game perhaps most notable for a minor renaissance by Timo Werner. Uh, two goals and an all-round decent performance. And he afterwards said, well, that's exactly the sort of reason why I went back to play for Leipzig, to play with that kind of confidence. It's taken him a long time to be on the score sheet and uh, still far from regular service as far as his um, form before moving to Chelsea was concerned under Julian Nagelsmann. Let's see what happens. Leipzig with that win, looking good for fourth spot, 51 points, just one behind Union now. But they needed the win because behind them, Freiburg, as you mentioned, Christoph, they... 1-2-1 at Werder Bremen in uh, one of those games where Freiburg somehow just tend to do a little bit better than the opposition and you're not quite sure how they've done it. But they do it very regularly. Uh, did you see the game? Um, a bit. Um, they, they came from a difficult spell. They had won only one game um, out of the last six. And, um, and overall, uh, people in Freiburg were not very happy with the performance of the team. So it's not as as smoothly going um, for, compared, for example, uh, to last season. They looked better last season, actually. But uh, as you said, they are able to, to grind out results a bit similar to, sometimes to Union with, a, with better players. And uh, they were coming um, from behind. Werder was 1-0 up uh, without playing without Niklas Füllkrug. Um, they are, um, and the top scorer, uh, top goal scorer in the Bundesliga. And uh, yeah, and were able to turn it around. And I think that was very important for them to, um, yeah, to, 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 for, for their fight to, to get into the Champions League. Because I think, um, It's not, um, how can I say, it's not unrealistic that uh, Freiburg these days qualifies for the Champions League. No, no, I think it's very realistic. And that's testament to how things have been going for them. We used to joke that Freiburg would be in the Champions League, but I don't think it is no longer a funny situation. It looks like a realistic possibility and it would be... Uh, Probably the, the crowning moment for Christian Streich and his team to yeah, find themselves playing Real Madrid, Manchester United, Napoli next season. It's, it's quite incredible. But there's one team um, that is probably not playing the Champions League or very likely not playing the Champions League next season again. That's Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, they drew 1-1 uh, with Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, 
I don't know how happy our producer York was about the result. So and so, he was so and so because uh, Borussia was one nil up, uh, and it's 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 an interesting statistic because uh, after being um, in the lead, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach in away games this season gave away 14 points. So um, so they only won one away game and. And interestingly, it's um, so it's very often the question for Borussia Mönchengladbach fans with away teams, uh, away games of of their team: um, Do they just play terrible, or do they play okay, uh, take the lead, and then lose their nerves? And um, but uh, I think it's uh, in a way a frustrating result for for Frankfurt. Because uh, they had the majority of chances, played better, and uh, yeah, but lost ground. Um, and I almost surely won't be playing Champions League last, uh, next season. Yeah, it's nine points the gap between them and fourth spot uh, with Leipzig. I agree with you. I think Frankfurt very unhappy, very unlucky as well not to win the game. They took until the 83rd minute uh, with Kolomouani. Scoring the equaliser, but it could have easily scored three or four goals. Gladbach were just holding on after that early loot and doing absolutely nothing uh, going forward, as they have done so often away from home, but they've been pretty abysmal, uh, let's face it. Uh, they're in 10th, um, the exact definition of mediocrity. <laughs> One, nine, drawn nine, lost ten. So... Um, a coin flip as to how their results go but considering that they were playing in the Champions League not long ago this is um, really a team going nowhere at the moment and maybe major changes are needed yeah and major changes will come because uh, Lars Stindl in a way Mr. Borussia Mönchengladbach now 34 years old will leave the club um, at the end of the season on a free transfer very very likely he goes back home and plays another season or two for his home team Karlsruhe, Karlsruher Sportclub. Uh, that's not um, uh, finally uh, confirmed, but it, it very it looks like this. And and also it's uh, clear now that um, Markus Turan and Rami Benzimberaini um, won't extend their contract. And uh, as we said um, some weeks ago already, um, it will be very interesting to see how uh, Borussia is reshuffling uh, their situation in the next season. But we have now for so long avoided to talk about what everybody wants to know. And the big question in the Bundesliga is, who wants it less? Is it Borussia Dortmund or Bayern? Who wants it less? They, they both want it, but they're both bad. Uh, Christoph, let's start with Bayern. Let's start with Bayern. We saw what happened on Tuesday night at the Etihad. And we thought, okay, this is going to be a Bayern team that will play with anger, with fire in their bellies. Hoffenheim are coming to town. The right opposition to smash <laughs> three or four goals. Big confidence boost and the belief that the miracle is very much on. But what happens? They actually play one of their worst games of the season. Mm -hmm. 
Certainly the worst game in the Thomas Tuchel era, <laughs> if you can call it that. They draw 1-1. They lead 1-0. They have chances, but it's all very slow. It's all very half-hearted. There's no real conviction. There's no real flow, no rhythm, no intensity. I mean, Thomas Tuchel mentioned a whole list of things that were missing, and he could go on and on and on because Bayern were so far from, from their best. And then Hoffenheim... They probably had two or three opportunities. One of them, a free kick from Kramaric, which was a very soft free kick to to get in the first instance. But um, Jan Sommer couldn't save it. And Bayern couldn't really do much afterwards. They, there was no rallying point. There was no big comeback. And they only drew the game 1-1. And the game is over. And at this point, uh, Dortmund are leading. And they were leading for most of the game against uh, Stuttgart. But then in the, uh, what was it, the seventh minute of injury time, actually they were for once happy in Munich because they heard the result. But I think we need to tell the story of the Dortmund game chronologically because it is quite incredible. Yeah. Um, Hold on one second. My wife is interfering here. This is the last time, last warning. <laughs> Schöne Grüße. Christoph says hi. <lacht> um, so Dortmund go to Stuttgart. Stuttgart team fighting against relegation. A Stuttgart team who've been showing some signs of, of life under Sebastian Hoeneß, especially in, in the last couple of games, but uh, still massive underdogs and especially underdogs after they find themselves 2-0 down after 33 minutes. Sebastian Allaire and Daniel Marlin with some really good goals. And to make things worse, Konstantinos Marvopanos, the Greek defender, is sent off. So Stuttgart two men down, sorry, two goals down and one man down at the break. And that's how it is until about 12 minutes from time. Kulibali scores for Stuttgart. And then Vanyuman scores for Stuttgart as well to get the equalizer in the 84th minute. But no, Dortmund, they come back. Giovanni Reina with what everyone thinks is the winner, only for Silas to come back and snatch an equalizer in the 97th minute. 3-3. And Edin Terzic, I think, summed it up beautifully, Christoph, when he said, we thought we'd already seen the most stupid thing <laughs> this season when we were 2-0 up against Werder Bremen and conceded three more goals from the 80th minute onwards. But this, he felt, topped it. I mean, what is going on with this Dortmund team? Yeah. Um, um, even Edin Terzic... You're lost for words, no, no. I see. <laughs> um, Edin Terzic, who, who'd been a very protective about his team, who had been an advocate for his, his team, who had defended his team, and... For good reason, as we could see um, after the uh, winter break or after this uh, World Cup break, um, they came back much stronger. They are still the team in the Bundesliga that in the second part of the season has got the most points. But it feels like it, it feels like as if there is um, somewhere deep in in this team there is this virus to relax too early 
to uh, lose concentration, to take things too lightly and uh, are not, that you're not focused enough. And so, um, yeah, I mean, they are not champions. I mean, they are a very good team, but, but they are no champions. I mean, we're looking to find the German champion. And I, I think uh, they're lacking this kind of champions material because um, they are not uh, football-wise, they are not the best team. They um, and, and, and if you don't, you're not the best footballing team, you have to have something extra. You have to have um, a certain energy. And they showed it a bit in in uh, in in the uh, this year already, but deep down there is something wrong with this team, and I think they need to. Uh, when it comes to next season, they need to add another sort of players. And um, I mean, there were a, a lot of a, a lot of uh, Borussia Dortmund were fiercely uh, frustrated, especially about Marco Reus. Because in the build-up of this uh, third uh, goal from Stuttgart that you described, um, he was not not really helping uh, his team to defend. He was like very relaxed, jogging uh, backwards. It's it's not the reason for this goal, but it showed something, and and a lot of uh, a lot of uh, Borussia supporter uh, picked on it, and um, and I mean he is uh, the captain of the team. He is one of the best paid players. We're talking about to extend his contract under where they want to pay him half what he gets uh, until now. So uh, I, I don't know what 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 do you think about it about this. Um, um, this Borussia Dortmund team. My impression is it's something similar going on with Bayern Munich, actually. They are... Um, it's, it's the problems we see at, at Bayern are not, not... seem to be not so different from what we see by Borussia Dortmund. But, 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 but what do you think? Well, it could also be just a question of quality. You know, they had to bring on Sumaila Koulibaly, the 19-year-old defender, when Mats Hummels came off in the second half. And it was Koulibaly just completely missing a clearance. If he hits the ball anywhere, left, right... Uh, up, down, they don't concede. And we're talking about this great character that Dortmund have shown <laughs> about coming back and winning the game. And that is a sign of a true champion. You know, they concede, but they find a way. And it's just that one bad kick. It reminds me so much of the mistake that Torsten Fink made before the uh, first goal for Man United, where he slices the ball and it comes back. If he just hits that ball, then... Nothing happens. Bayern win the Champions League. There's no trouble. There's no Ferguson, <laughs> the best ever. So, but yes, of course, it does feed into this wider story that we've seen from Dortmund. Less so this year than in recent years. Mm -hmm. They have, have been more resilient. I also think that the uh, addition of players like Oschan and Riasson has made a difference. They, I think they play with a bit more character. There's a bit more balance. But it's maybe still not enough. 
and this was this felt like a defeat yeah yeah yeah. because of the in a way nothing's happened and maybe in a few days time they will say look there's no point now being demoralized and killing ourselves because we still have an incredible chance with six games to go we're only two points behind Bayern and they stumbled we stumbled but you know, we have a great chance next week, for example, when we have Frankfurt at home and Bayern travel to Mainz. Mainz unbeaten in nine games. Really tough place to go to. Really awkward team to play at the moment. So let's not try to be too negative. But yeah, if you throw it away like this, especially being one man up for 60 minutes or so, I mean, yeah, it does feel very stupid. I, I want to um, um, add here uh, um, uh, something that comes from the uh, commentary um, uh, section of, of, of the Beer and Honey podcast. You can also leave commentaries also uh, for this show here. Uh, and this one came bef be before, obviously, this show. It comes from James Howard. And he says, unfortunately, it seems talk of um, it seems talk of Dortmund title chances will ultimately proved to be nothing more than yet another chimera, a false dawn. Now, he was very right. And as unpopular as this is in Germany, surely Dortmund must now adopt a more aggressive transfer policy, especially targeting experienced players of a certain quality, saying that based on the prevailing mood in Germany, it does seem unlikely. But despite their fin financial limitation, Does the pot foresee a time in the future when Watzke Kehl will attempt to compete in the transfer market for... And now he is bringing in some Fußball-Deutsch. Learning Fußball-Deutsch with beer and honey. For fertige players. <laughs> What... Um, <laughs> fertige Spieler, um, we, we, we will explain that uh, right now, with at least, for example, the likes of uh, Atletico Internazionale or Napoli. So but at first we, we, we uh, want to explain what fertige Spieler are. Uh, what, what would the English uh, equivalent be? Season players now? No? Yeah, it's the finished, the finished article. <laughs> but of course, yeah. uh, as in German... Um, as in English, finished can also mean <laughs> yeah, this is... uh, slightly over the hill, and that's the same with fertig. Perhaps best known in, in a football context by uh, the famous Giovanni Trapattoni, Ich habe fertig, <laughs> I am finished, which uh, was, was uh, a bit uh, ambivalent at the time. And uh, fertig can be ambivalent as well. But here's the problem. Dortmund... When they go for the more finished article, they carry a big financial risk, which doesn't really work with their business model so much. They cannot really buy the kind of player that buy and target when they get Goretzka or Manuel Neuer or these type of players who will be on more money than anyone at this Dortmund team, especially if they then, for whatever reason, don't work out. Then you cannot sell these players and then you're going to really struggle and... If anything, the problem in recent years has been that some of the more seasoned players that they have bought haven't really worked. I'm thinking of Emre Can, who's only recently started playing well. I'm thinking of Julian Brandt, who has uh, also only recently started playing well. Uh, Moda Hut, you can mention, although he was still very young when he, when he left. So whenever Dortmund have tried to 
be a bit more yeah looking at experience or, or, or going down the path of finding a player that's already established and Niklas Süle is the same I think the jury is still out on him things haven't necessarily worked out for them so it is not realistic for them to challenge Bayern when it comes to the kind of caliber that they can attract whether that's from within the league or, or without but they can perhaps be a little bit more considerate when it comes to the character of the players I think they've realized that belatedly and I think we saw some of the changes some of the um, attempts to to make a different setting different priorities trying to do things a little bit differently at the beginning of the season and then the January transfer window but it is a long process and of course it interferes with this other big strand of their income which is to build young players and young players by definition will always be a little bit unfinished uh, when it comes to their performances when it comes to their mental disposition of course you have freaks like Jude Bellingham who are always kind of on sometimes even too much but most young players are not like that they they need time they need somebody that holds their hand they need encouragement and they will have bad games, as we saw with Koulibaly. Mm -hmm. And uh, Adeyemi also, and he, he took some time to adjust to the Bundesliga and, and so on. But I, I agree with you. I think what they really need to do better is this mid-level for top teams. And what James is, is telling, and uh, clubs like Napoli, for example, or Inter, or AC Milan, and, and so on, um, they have been doing it this kind of stuff better, and um, and also Atletico Madrid. Um, Rafael, but but coming back to um, to do, uh, to to Bayern, um, I said that they might have similar problems uh, when we look at uh, their performances this season, and especially uh, in recent weeks. Um, are there similarities or, or, or are they, the problems that Bayern are having completely different from what we see at Borussia? I can see why you're asking the question, Christoph, because we see from Bayern a lack of confidence that is very unusual, a lack of efficiency that is very unusual. But I think the symptoms might be similar, but I think the, the causes are different. The virus is different. <laughs> it's a different virus, yes. <laughs> Dr. Honigstein. Dr. Biermann. <laughs> Dr. Biermann from the Charité uh, in Berlin. Um, I tell you why. I think you look at the squad and whatever you want to say about the lack of a decent centre-forward after the departure of Robert Lewandowski, this is an incredible squad in terms of the depth, in terms of the quality you have so many good players. Uh, you know, you can leave Sane and Mane and Müller on the bench and you still have a super strong lineup and you have Lucas Hernandez on the bench and Pava is not playing and Masrawi is not playing and you have a super lineup. So I don't think we can blame, in my view, the scouting or the way that this team has been put together or see that there are structural problems in the squad. I don't I don't see them. There might be some, you talked about this the other day, there might be some issues on the metaphysical level where somehow the team don't really harmonize enough 
and maybe there's not enough team spirit. But in terms of the quality, in terms of the profile of the players, these are the, the players that Bayern need and these are the players that Bayern have. And a few weeks ago, we were all celebrating this one uh, this as one of the best squads that Bayern have ever had. So I don't think that's the reason. But for whatever reason or for different reasons, we don't see this kind of dominance. We don't see that kind of inevitability. This uh, we are FT Bayern and of course we're going to beat you. And I'm not sure why. I mean, Thomas Müller, as always, said something very interesting on Saturday. He said, we were terrible, we were poor, we played like we were paralyzed, especially after taking the lead, which is super strange. But we still had so many chances that if there's Robert Lewandowski playing, we probably win 3-0 or 3-1 and we just move on. So I think if we drill down to this, into this point a bit further, what he's saying is that in the past... In the recent past, Bayern have had in Lewandowski and maybe in Neuer at the other side, players that would lift performances always to a level where even some of the team not quite playing so well or not quite harmonizing well didn't really matter all that much. And it seems to matter more this year because Bayern doesn't have the guaranteed match winner, neither in goal nor in the opposition box that decides the 50-50 games or even the 40-60 games in their favor. Will you buy that as a theory? Is Jan Sommer too small? <laughs> I mean, He's it's not, a, he's it, not it, the I, tallest of goalkeepers, but they knew that before. It's not a surprise. I find it su surprising. Um, uh, I mean, we know Jan Sommer from the Bundesliga for I don't know how many years. He seems to be around forever, and and he he was in in his time with Borussia Mönchengladbach, constantly one of the best goalkeepers in the Bundesliga, and now all of a sudden he is uh, in goal at uh, Bayern, and uh, with every ball going in, eh, if he would be ten centimeters taller, he would have got it, and he is no Manuel Neuer, blah blah blah. Is this? Uh, discussion unfair or is it uh, that you would say hey he's playing for Bayern now and everything that's happening with Bayern is under a much bigger scrutiny um, uh, than at Borussia Mönchengladbach it's both unfair as it is inevitable and to be expected you will be criticized more harshly if you don't save the one ball that comes towards you in against Hoffenheim against Gladbach, you say five balls and concede two, and you say, "Oh, they had a great, he had a great game." But the Bayern is very different. You need to save that one ball or that two balls. And he had big moments. He had that fantastic save against Mbappe in the first game in Paris. Let's not forget. And Bayern kept a clean sheet there. But he's not Manuel Neuer. Maybe Manuel Neuer isn't even Manuel Neuer anymore. <laughs> But certainly Jan Sommer isn't Manuel Neuer. And if you want to replace him, at least temporarily, I still think that he's better than Sven Ulreich. So you can criticize him or the club for it. But what options did they have? It's the same with Lewandowski. My feeling is that when they couldn't find... A replacement of the level of, let's say, Haaland or Harry Kane, they then 
said, okay, we have to do something differently. And then under the influence of the strong Liverpool season, a team that nearly won every single title and quadruple under Klopp, they said, okay, maybe we can play differently. Maybe it's it's not a problem. We can change it. We can be more fluid. And they bought Mane and they said, okay, it's going to be more of a, a varied setup with uh, four strikers or three and we'll see what we do. But it hasn't happened. Does that mean, though, that the idea was wrong? I think it's easy to say in hindsight. Yeah. Um, we have to talk about Mane and the Mane-Sane incident because we didn't talk about it last time because when we recorded our supporters special after the um, uh, first leg between Manchester City and Bayern, we didn't already know um, that... Um, Yeah, to, to, to say it as it was, um, Mane was hitting uh, Sané in the face and you, you could still see his lip a bit bruised and, um, and you didn't see uh, Mane because he was um, out of the squad for one game and he um, also gets a fine. He has to pay an um, unnamed amount of money. Um, I remember when I, I, I spent the season with um, uh, Union Berlin, there was almost a punch up in, in, the, in the dressing room between, at that time it was uh, Suleiman Abdullawi and uh, goalkeeper uh, Rafael Gikovic, who is now at, at um, uh, Augsburg. And I, I, um, I didn't see it, but a, a player told me. And then I told Urs Fischer, the coach, and I, I was thinking, I was really like, ooh, they are, they, they are almost hitting each other. And oh, that's crazy. Is everything falling apart? And I told him, and he was just shrugging and say, oh, good, something going on. And, and he, he wasn't shocked at all. And, and he was kind of he seemed to be used to it or so and so why do i tell this story do we make too much of it um uh, i mean it was a, a an ultra intense and ultra depressed with the uh, game at manchester with the very depressing result and, and immense frustration And and maybe this led to this. Ah, you you should have passed the ball there, but you didn't. Why didn't you run? Blah blah blah. Why why do you say that? <laughs> Bang. So so maybe that's all, all, uh, almost the end of the story. And as we uh, Thomas Tuchel told, um, uh, Sadio Mane uh, apologized in front of the uh, the team, and uh, yes, and they find him. And end of the story. End of the story? Question mark. I think it's the end of the story as far as that particular confrontation is concerned, but maybe not the end of the story of Sadio Mane and his struggles at Bayern. I think it's more about him and his frustrations than the dressing room fighting each other and everyone trying to punch each other up. I think uh, Mane was very frustrated. A big game for him, especially coming back to England, not starting. He didn't start against PSG, only played for eight minutes. That was big, very uh, frustrating to him. And we read also in Bild that there was some kind of confrontation between him and Nagelsmann after that. So I think he's hurt in his pride. But of course, it comes down to him not performing to the expectations that everyone had, uh, including himself. Some is due to do with injury. Some is to do with perhaps tactical um, ideas. 
but it hasn't really worked out for him. And I feel that he was on a short fuse because of that. Um, the reaction from Leroy Sané, who told the club, look, don't find him, it's okay, he's apologized, don't make a big deal out of it, shows me that there is nothing really um, deep about this problem. Um, but money will have to really improve because otherwise Bayern will have a problem. If you have a player that was hyped so much, including by by me. I thought that Bayern was was pulled off a really amazing deal to get him. But of course, he will make a lot of money and the players who are already there will look at him very carefully. And if somebody has this, this hype and this expectation and this name and then doesn't perform, that creates always a difficult scenario. So I think the story is not over. But... I think that's one of the big decisions that Thomas Tuchel will have to make. Does he believe that he can get money to play um, in the right formation, in the right setup? Or will he say, look, it's probably not going to happen. Maybe best for us to find a different solution. That seems to me a more logical outcome at this point. Before we leave, um, we, we would like to take um, some of our listeners uh, in here. Uh, Tarek Tavalbe uh, wrote to us, and uh, he is a big Bayern fan, and he is not happy right now. And he is writing, the Bayern leadership are delusional. There is nothing about this team right now that suggests an improvement versus pre-Tuchel. And frankly, it would have been insane to imagine an improvement at the time of the sacking. Um, and he, he's asking you a question. What, what, what happened at Bayer, Rafa? Really? Just a few weeks ago, they looked like a steady ship, on, not on the pitch, but behind the scenes at least. Now they look almost as badly managed as Barcelona. <laughs> Ooh. Well, I don't think Bayern will have a problem uh, signing a new player because they, uh, they're in financial breach of uh, league regulations in the summer. Um, of course, it does look bad if you fire your manager in, uh, halfway through the season, then results don't immediately pick up. It makes people question the judgment. But I would say we have to give Tuchel a bit more time. I don't think it's it's right to judge him. And I have to tell you that I get the sense talking to players, talking to people around the dressing room that they do think that Tuchel is a, is a serious upgrade. Not because they all didn't like Nagelsmann or they had big problems with him or they all hated his tactics. It wasn't like that. It was much more nuanced than that. But I think Tuchel, even in a short space of time, has done actually quite a lot to impress the players. Of course, now... He needs to manage the situation, get good results, uh, keep finding a team that works because we have a good squad, but we don't have a team that works at the moment. I think that is that much is clear. And that's, of course, then ultimately the, the job of the manager to sort out. But I don't think we can expect it necessarily to be so quick. I, I think it would leave a question mark if Bayern don't win the league, then that would decision would would seem really poor but I think the substance of it that they feel that Tuchel is a better man manager than Nagelsmann and a better fit in the long run that's still true as it was when they made that decision so I don't think that they are actually yes it 
it's it's uncomfortable and they will be criticized for it but i think actually they can sleep soundly as it were thinking that they made the right decision and if you ask them again to wind back time two weeks and say you have Tuchel available or you have Nagelsmann do you want to continue I would think that they would still make the same decision okay um, so let's see um, in weeks to come who wants it less um, Dortmund or Bayern and um, but we have a big match or probably not so big match coming on this week um, the second leg um, between Bayern and Manchester City, where Bayern has um, three ga three goals to overcome to get to the semi-final. Minimum three goals. Minimum three goals, yes, um, uh, in 90 minutes. <laughs> uh, um, and but yes, we will we will talk about this um, during the week, and uh, we'll come back with a special for our. Um, supporters and we're we are, we are looking uh, forward uh, to you listening to us uh, thank you Christoph but I just want to remind you please if you can become a member of the Beer and Honey Supporters Club we do need your contribution your support if you can uh, if you want to be an ultra even better you get one of those wonderful mugs um, please help us keep this wonderful pod going and we'll be back on Friday with a special look at the miracle in Munich, maybe the second leg of Bayern against Manchester City and Leverkusen's trip to Union Saint-Gilas. Until such time, I was Rafael Honigstein. I was Christoph Biermann and we say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Beer and Honey, the German football podcast.